Hello and welcome to the Faith in Manchester podcast. I'm glad you dropped in. I'm Wayne Clark. Faith in Manchester podcast is part of faithinmanchester.org. We're a website, social media presence, as well as this podcast, showcasing what's going on in the churches and Christian ministries in Greater Manchester. This is episode five of Faith in Manchester podcast. Why don't you catch up with previous conversations that we've had on this podcast with people like the comedian Tony Vino, uh, the singer Dana and others. And please do subscribe on your podcast provider so that we know that you're listening and so that you can keep up to date with future editions of this podcast. Today on the Faith in Manchester podcast, we're having another visit to the Christian Resources Exhibition North when it came to Manchester recently. And for the first time, we've got not one but two guests on our Faith in Manchester podcast. Both of these are leaders of Christian ministries in Manchester City Centre. Both have been committed to the city for quite a long time and both have great stories to tell. Later we'll be meeting Sid Williams on the Embassy Bus, a shelter for homeless people based in a luxury tour bus. But first of all, I'm talking to Paul Keeble, the leader of Manchester Street Pastors. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Paul Keeble. I'm at CRE here in Manchester and caught up with Paul Keeble, who's one of the, the leaders of Street Pastors in Manchester City Centre. Paul, thanks for talking to me. We've just been doing a seminar here. That's right. Just starting with the basics. What is Street Pastors? What do Street Pastors in Manchester do? Street Pastors are trained volunteers from local churches who uh, patrol the streets at night at the weekend to listen, care and help and generally look out for the welfare of people that are indulging in the nighttime economy and plus whoever else we happen to come across, which could be homeless people um, or just whoever happens to be around. So uh, are street pastors like people who are, are there to look for people who are doing wrong or, or, or is it um, more of a, a helping and supporting people? It's a more of a helping and supporting. Uh, yeah, we, we are in uniform and we work um, alongside the police. Um, a street pastors project to be set up requires uh, several local churches to be involved plus support from the police and the local council. So it's like, it's like the, the three biggest gangs in the area coming together and saying, yeah. let's, uh, let's do something uh, for people's welfare. And it, it complements the role of the police or the other emergency services. And we sometimes describe our role as uh, getting someone into a taxi before they end up in an ambulance later or in a police van. So a lot of it's about trying to de-escalate situations, uh, making interventions... That could be something simple like um, a young lady who's struggling to walk in her high heels and uh, we give her a pair of flip-flops. Yeah, the famous flip-flops. The famous flip-flops, yeah. yeah, we're known for those. Or a space blanket to a homeless person who's yeah. struggling. Giving directions to someone who's trying to find a hotel and maybe right. come out of the arena. It can vary from sort of quite minor uh, interventions through to more, more major stuff and sort of breaking up fights and um, in city centre some of our uh, volunteers were involved in that very thing just yeah. last Friday. What do people on the streets make of you when they when they see you there in your your uniforms? Um, the reaction we get is is uniformly positive. I've been doing this for a long time. And I cannot think of a, of a negative reaction. Um, I, I can think of one actually. Um, I was getting a taxi for for a lady who was quite unwell, and uh, he decided he wanted the taxi, and I insisted that he was not having the taxi. This lady was having it, and he didn't like that. So that's the only negative thing I, I can think of. Uh, people just seem to appreciate 
the fact that we're there. Um, every time I go out with a team, somebody, at least one person, usually four or five people over the course of the evening will say, thank you for being here. It's great to see you guys here. And sometimes they'll say, what is a street pastor? Why do you do this? Do you get paid? Which church are you from? To which we say, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get paid. Nope. But you are all from churches and you are all Christians. Is that, is that yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, yeah. And to ask that question that you get asked, why do you do it? Well, I suppose the, the, the glib answer is because we love Jesus and we want to serve. Yeah. Um, but it is, I think it has something to do with uh, wanting to, to share the love of God in a practical way and maybe to try and put across an image of Christianity and of Jesus which maybe isn't the one that people will tend to pick up maybe from the media or for some of the stupid things that Christians can say sometimes uh, or ways in which we, we can act or attitudes that we have. Um, just doing this simple being there to care, as Jesus would have done, the parable of the Good Samaritan. There was no great concern as to, you know, why that guy was in the position he was. He needed help there and then, and he got help there and then. Mm-hmm. And um, that guy was acting as his neighbour. One of the great commandments is, love your neighbour as yourself. That's everybody. Some Christians have said that street pastors should be a bit more proactive in evangelism, perhaps mm. should go out with Bible tracts rather than with water and flip-flops. Yeah. Do you think that the, the caring ministry is what's most important about what you do? We would see things in a uh, holistic way. We wouldn't sort of split off verbally sharing faith as a sort of special or higher thing. It's about the whole person meeting the needs of the whole person, whatever needs happen to present. And we very much let the person sort of that we're in, interacting with sort of set the agenda. And, and, and something that annoys me personally, I, you know, a Christian who's waiting for the other person to take a half breath so they can jump in with the four spiritual laws, instead of listening to that person and being evangelized by them with a small e, as in learning about them, learning their story, um, Jesus did a lot of that. A lot of what Jesus did was in response to what other people did. Mark's Gospel, about 50%, if you, if you read through and analyze, he was responding to people, and people were responding to him and reacting to, to him. And... It's not overtly evangelistic, and we're not there to preach. However, because we're there, because we're doing what we're doing, uh, we get loads of chances to, uh, opportunities to just explain to people why we're there and what it is we're about as Christians. And do people listen when you get the opportunity to say those things? Very much so. Um, we have actually seen some people become Christians. Uh, one person was prayed with on a traffic island many years ago, mm-hmm. I still remember, on uh, Princess Road. Because we began, our very first project in Manchester was the Moss Side in response to the gun and gang problem, which is actually how street pastors began, but um, the model is spread into all sorts of other ways. Mm. And we've seen people um, coming along to church. Someone described it very well to me one time. He said, what you seem to be doing is raising the spiritual temperature. You hear people talk about uh, links in the chain of people sort of coming to faith. A positive encounter with a street pastor could be the thing that makes somebody curious and a bit more open to God and maybe the next conversation will take them on a bit further. The, the story I was telling in a seminar of the atheist who uh, was buying us all uh, drinks in um, McDonald's one night because he wanted to thank us for what we were doing, by the end of the conversation we had with him, he decided, actually, maybe I'm not an atheist. Maybe I'm actually open to, to God speaking to me. Now, he took a step forward that night. Um, you know, we pray that he'll take, he'll take a few more. I know as well as 
Manchester city centre, Street Pastures is active in other parts of Greater Manchester. Yeah, um, I mean, Street Pastures itself has been going since about 2003, 2004. Yeah. A guy called Les Isaac began it, and as I was saying before, as a response to uh, problems in inner cities with, with gangs. But it's spread uh, to other places, and it, it's, it's a model that works really well in all sorts of contexts. There's over 300 projects across the UK, some in other parts of the world, and within Greater Manchester we've got about 10 so Bury, Oldham, Rochdale, Staley Bridge, other pl- Stockport, Salford, and in the city centre in, in Manchester. City centre, we have, according to police figures, 100,000 people coming into the city centre every weekend. So um, we could do with some more street pastors. Mm. We, could, we could cover more areas more often with more volunteers. So more volunteers for, for the city centre, but also for each of the projects and for new projects, I Oh, suppose. definitely, yeah. I think all of the other projects would say... If we had more people, we could get out more often or cover mm. more areas. I, I can really only speak for city centre because that's, that's my current experience, but we are covering one part of the city centre and our initial aim is to cover that section well. Uh, but the opportunity is there to move into... Um, we've, we've had inv- invitations to go to two other parts of the city centre and patrol there as well. Yeah. We're unable to do that at the moment, which is slightly frustrating to say. <laughs> Uh, because we don't have the, uh, the sufficient uh, volunteers. I, I know ministries such as yours always could do with more financial giving, mm. but you, you said something interesting in the seminar about uh, prayer pastors as well, prayer support. Yeah, we're, we, I, th- I think this has been a, it's always been an emphasis within street pastors, but I've, I've noticed it more so in the last year or so, but just really appreciating the need for prayer. This patrol last Friday uh, that we had, um, at one point during the evening, I wasn't on the patrol, but uh, I noticed on the WhatsApp group, a prayer request coming in from those who were patrolling saying we've got this situation can people please pray so people presumably prayed because the situation got sorted out very satisfactorily very quickly mm-hmm. so people who can pray and commit to pray we offer some training for that to help uh, people to which can be used as with the other street pastor training in other parts of church lives a trained street pastor in someone's congregation has got skills and expertise that could be valuable in all sorts of other places mm-hmm. Paul, thanks for talking to us. If someone wants to volunteer, what's the best place to start in, in getting involved? Street Pastors website, www.streetpastors.org. Uh, go there and uh, look in the areas section for Greater Manchester and the projects there. Paul Keeble, every blessing to you. Thank you for talking to us. Thank you. Also here at CRE, I've uh, come across uh, Mr. Sid Williams, who's uh, here on a, a big tour bus. Well, this is quite an impressive vehicle here, Sid. Tell, tell me about it's, this bus that we're on. It's a, it's a big old chunky monkey of a thing. It's, it's uh, well, it was once a uh, luxury tour bus. Well, it still is, uh, but touring bands up and down the UK and around yeah. Europe. And then the guy dropped it off to me, told me that he'd toured Snow Patrol and Coldplay on it a few times, amongst various others that... Yeah. Uh, some of which I've heard of and some have <laughs> I suppose the, the reason of saying that is it kind of gives you a hint of the quality involved yeah. it's not just any old bus it's double glazed and insulated and a plush interior as you come in there's a kitchenette and a, a dining area for hanging out there's a cab where volunteers sleep there's a uh, toilet and a big hold for people's clobber upstairs and there's a sort of executive lounge with a games consoles and telly and deeply inappropriate champagne fridge and then there's uh, 14 uh, beds yeah. uh, each you know proper memory foam mattress nice beds curtain off night lights plug sockets the works 
and importantly it's warm and quiet and a safe environment and so we take homeless men aged 18 up and uh, the idea is they stay with us until they're housed or get a place in a rehabilitation or whatever it is they need next that's great because it means we get an opportunity to really get to know these guys hear their stories unpack some of the pain that they're coming with sometimes and quite a number of them but all of them so far whatever faith or none have said they really want to engage with prayer time and exploring Jesus and finding out that stuff which is great we've had um, we've had some guys coming to Christ uh, we've seen some like astonishing answers to prayer there and then on the bus which has been really good mm. fun and yeah and then wonderfully we've we you know we've seen guys come all the way through to the other the other end so we only started on the 8th of January we've already yeah. Tuesday I was I was at a football match uh, went to watch Man City with um, one of the lads on our bus who's football mad so I thought okay well I'll take him to see the game and uh, he uh, he was with us in January as a homeless gentleman uh, he's now got a full-time job and is housed and uh, he's uh, this month he's been volunteering with us yeah. and is actually one of our best volunteers you know, he really gets it and is a really you know quality reliable character so to go to the football with him was great and uh, he loved that so yeah. um, I think for me it shows how quickly people can turn their lives around given the right opportunities Obviously, we have other people who come to us with significant challenges. Um, we, I've got a guy with us at the moment who's come back from Afghanistan with PTSD, some horrendous things he's seen, and and then uh, to, to cope with some of that, he's made some perhaps less than wise decisions. But you kind of look and you think, oh, I kind of understand that. And and yet he's come to Christ and is making good decisions now, much happier loves church and uh, he's getting a house next week and there's a job lined up for him with a construction firm so that's really exciting for me because we're it's it's nice to be able to meet the whole or, or, you know needs across the board spiritual needs and practical and financial needs for people yeah. um, and, the, and the one we have to not forget is, is the need for community so being able to connect someone to a church connect someone to, to work colleagues and we're also going to carry on journeying with those two men that I've mentioned and others, even though they're housed, still catching up with them once a week for a coffee. How are you doing? Uh, oh, I, <laughs> I noticed you haven't paid your council tax. Why is that? Oh, you're too frightened to make this phone call. Let's do it together. It's that kind of thing that makes the difference between people succeeding, as it were, once housed and, and not. So, yeah, the only way we want to see people again is they come back as a volunteer, not because they're yeah. a guest again later. So that's the vision, really, see people housed but not isolated and to make sure that one day they'll be eternally housed as well as in the yeah. temporary. That's kind of our, our dream, our key values. Tell us about some of the people whose lives have been changed because of what you've done. I think the biggest privilege is seeing people encounter not just us talking about God, but actually encounter God. I mean, we've only been going a few weeks, but we've seen so many different things. We had a guy who came in who, was, who was, had some quite serious withdrawal symptoms coming off uh, methadone. He hadn't slept for five days, and, he, and his legs couldn't stop shaking, amongst you know, other symptoms. So one of my staff later said, well, let's do a Bible study, which to me was like, a Bible study? He's going through withdrawal here. <laughs> but um, they did a little Bible study about who Jesus is, and he was grateful for the distraction, I think. And then... Leighton said, look, he heals people. Should we just give it a go then? And he said, what, now? And he said, yeah, yeah, just give it a go. What would you like? And he said, I'd love my legs to stop shaking. He said, oh, let's pray for that. And prayed, and his legs stopped shaking. And he went, that's amazing. Can you pray for some peace? And Leighton said, why? And he said, I haven't slept for five days. Pray for peace. Within two minutes, he was asleep in the chair where we prayed. And we had to ironically wake him up to get him up to bed. He did get some more sleep then. Uh, we got another guy who 
came to us. He's 30 now, and when he was 15, he went to prison for some misdemeanour. His mum hadn't really been in touch ever since. She sort of had enough of him. And it was still hurting him 15 years later, you know. And He'd had the odd text message, though mostly negative things. So one of my other staff, James, said, well, let's just pray for your family then. So he said, oh, all right then. So he prayed for his family. And then uh, a little bit later in the evening, his phone rang and it was his mum. And she said, I just felt suddenly like I have to call you and make amends. Let's meet yeah. up. And let's." And so they're now rebuilding that relationship, which is nice. And he was blown away. He was like, what? 15 years, nothing. Then we pray and I get a phone call a couple of minutes later. He also had pain in his shoulder, some nasty trap nerve. And to the point where we had to lean against the wall all the time while we're talking to him to be able to concentrate. So we prayed for that. And uh, again, the pain went and he was just blown away by this stuff we don't just talk about God we expect God to do things and I think as Christians we spend a lot of time going oh yeah revival's around the corner and but then revival's been around the corner for as long as I can remember but it's not that it's a really long corner I think it's just we have to walk around the corner we're waiting for it to come around to us and God's saying well, no, come and engage you know in my case walking around the corner means okay we'll get some homeless guys on the bus and we'll give them the time of day and then we'll, we'll say well, let's pray then. Let's God, let's see what God wants to do, you know. Yeah. And that's it. That's all it takes. And I think um, if you're listening and thinking, oh, I'd love a piece of that, or I'd love to come and learn just to grow in confidence sharing my faith or learn to pray for people that are strangers that I don't know or any of that stuff, we really need volunteers. So you'd be helping us out and you can grow in your personal faith and your confidence as well. And we know Jesus wants us to spend time with the poor, you know, that they're a high priority for him. That's why we bought a luxury tour bus. The, the first homeless guy who came on this bus said to me, I understand the concept, but why have you bothered buying a, what to me feels like a five-star bus? You know, you could have got any bus to get people off the street. He said, I'm out there on the concrete. Anything would have done. And I said, well, yeah, but I also believe that God wants you to know that you're valuable to him. And he just burst into tears. And when he pulled himself together, he said, now I feel valued. For me, I'm just thinking, yeah, this is great. This is, you know, this is God's heart, is that the people the world sees as least get treated like the celebrities that, you know, the world's <laughs> so fascinated with. But God's like, no, the guys that I celebrate are these guys. Why does this issue of, of homelessness and, and caring for these most needy in society, why, why does this matter to you? When I was 18, I, I dreamt of being a graphic designer and I was well on the way. I'd managed to land myself a, a, a sort of prestigious art college and, you know, everything was lined up well. And I lived in leafy Surrey. <laughs> so I had perhaps a better start than most. And God knocked me flat in a church thing once on yeah. my back, which was something I thought just silly people did that were mucking about, to be honest with you. I was like, oh, this is a thing that actually happens. And then I saw, a bit like watching telly, three pictures... And the first one was deprived young people on council estate. And the second one was of homeless chaps. And then there was another one. So I've spent the last 14 years on picture number one, which was the kids on council estates. I moved from Woking in Surrey to Harper Hay, North Manchester, which at the time was the number one most deprived place in England and Wales. But I also felt like it was the promised land. I loved being there. So I joined up with the guys at the Message Trust and joined their, one of their Eden teams and threw myself into youth work and I have done for 14 years but I always had this thing amongst other things in my head that I I know that homelessness is coming next so uh, I've volunteered on and off with different homeless charities I've had a go at sleeping rough with some homeless guys I got to know me and my housemate used to have homeless guys come live with us sometimes I'm no expert but towards the end of my time working with uh, the message trust I was 
managed in their Eden bus fleet and I kind of grew it from one to five and I said to Andy Hawthorne who's a good friend of mine I just said look when I get to five I've got to move on and do something with the homeless because I've got like more to more to squeeze in I suppose perhaps it's unsurprising that I've gone from buses to buses I'm I'm honestly not a bus enthusiast <laughs> they're just vehicles but they're like a big uh, rectangular excuse to meet people you know and so I bought this because you don't need any planning permission. You know, I went to see the council and they said, oh, there's loads of legislation for running a homeless shelter. And I said, what if it's on a bus? And they went, oh, we haven't got any legislation for a homeless shelter on a bus. We didn't know they existed. I said, great, leave it that way. <laughs> so we had a bit of a laugh about that. And they said, OK, yeah, the only rule we can think of is don't park on double yellow. So, so yeah, I'm pretty sure I can work with that. So it's great. It's cheaper than running a building. It's cheaper than hiring a building. Fit more people in it for the, for the space that it is. It means I can take it to things like CRE North, where we are today, or to churches for a visit, or to companies. You've called this ministry Embassy. It's a yeah. fascinating na- reason, I think, for, for that name. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I suppose, I felt God gave it to me. You know, when you sometimes you, you have your brainstorm for weeks, like, what should we call this thing? And I just said, oh, God, you know, give me a name for it. And literally within a space of a couple of minutes, it came to me, Embassy. And I thought, oh, where's that come from then? And I just thought about it, and I was like, well, yeah. As, first of all, I'm a I'm a Christian, and there's a bit in the Bible that talks about being ambassadors of Christ or ambassadors of God's kingdom. And that kingdom has values such as second chances and hope and forgiveness and restoration, all of which are very much tied up in what we do here. Um, and I thought, oh, okay, cool. So the embassy ambassadors that makes sense. And then some of our corporate funders are not Christians, and so that might not totally make sense to them. Some of them said to me, oh, I get it. You know, if you're lost in another country and you're in a pickle, you go to the embassy, you're technically home, and that's the first place to go to start getting help. So I was like, yeah, that works. And then uh, for, for the perhaps most importantly for our homeless guests it doesn't have a big yellow sign on it saying helping the homeless or something like that it just says embassy which could be a tour bus company or it could be a coach company or you know nobody really knows it doesn't say hey look at these homeless people we're helping i think it's a dignity thing yeah it works on a few levels so thanks very much if people listening to this want to get involved i was, you, I was hoping you're, you're going to say you're looking that, for when, volunteers or for oh, so, yeah, visiting other churches we would we're here today at cre trying to recruit church visits if that makes yeah. sense we we did a church visit last weekend picked up eight new volunteers and, and five new regular givers that's like that's the lifeblood of something like this so at the moment we've got about 40 reliable volunteers yeah. most people do one night a month we need two volunteers a night so if you're good at maths you'll soon see we need 60 to 80 volunteers to make this realistically work so we we're probably at half what we need we, if we could pick up 40 volunteers that'd be great so if you're if you're listening and thinking I'd love to be part of this. I'd love to come and pray with people or share my faith. Like we're like we expect to be doing that. In fact, if you don't pray for our guys in the morning, they say, "Where's my prayer?" You know, they they want it. So, please sign up if you want us to come visit your church. We're the only homeless shelter that can literally come to your church. We'd love to hear from people. Get in touch, embassybus.org. It's a very impressive work, so it's uh, it's certainly well worth getting involved with. So, yeah. thanks very much for talking to thanks, us. Thanks, Cheers. And thanks very much to Sid Williams on the Embassy Bus. 
And before that, Paul Keeble of Manchester Street Pastors for being our interview guest today on the Faith in Manchester podcast. I'm Wayne Clark, your host on Faith in Manchester podcast and the news editor on Faith in Manchester. We're part of faithinmanchester.org. We're a website, also social media presence. Do visit our faithinmanchester.org website, like us on social media and do subscribe to the Faith in Manchester podcast so that you're always updated with the latest episodes of the podcast. And if you can put any comments on any of the podcast providers to say that you're uh, following us or any comments about the podcast, we'd appreciate that as well. We're just a small independent ministry here in Manchester trying to encourage the churches and Christian ministries of Manchester. So if you can support our work in any way such as that, we'd appreciate it very much. For today, thanks for listening. Look out for our next edition of the Faith in Manchester podcast. But for now, uh, it's God bless and goodbye from me, Wayne Clark. Thanks for listening.